0: Good afternoon. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and this is the Healthy Options Program on WERU. Our topic today is on mindful eating. Ha! What could that possibly be? Well, our guest here this afternoon is Hester Cole. She is here to discuss this idea. She will tell us what this all means. She'll explore why and how we can create a practice of mindful eating. She specializes in helping people overcome what may be called mindless eating. Who knows? We'll find out. Or emotional eating so that wellness can be achieved without the pressures and struggles of dieting. And also so there can be joy in eating and in our lives um, instead of stress. Hester Cole is a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach and a Certified Personal Trainer. She has, uh, in the past, worked for several years with Journey to Health programs throughout Waldo County General Hospital and uh, Penn Bay Medical Center. And Hester is also a facilitator and coach of the Am I Hungry Mindful Eating Program. And recently, she gave a talk at the Belfast Library about fearless eating, why diets are a challenge, and how to balance eating for nourishment with eating for enjoyment. Thank you for being here with us today, Hester Cole, and welcome to Healthy Options. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you for inviting me to be here. So, um, I guess the big question is, we'll, we'll just dive right in mindful eating what do we mean by that
1: so mindful eating is the opposite of eating on autopilot most of us eat while we're doing something else so Autopilot is when we're driving home and we forget to stop at the bank because our mind is just wired to go straight home from work. So eating on autopilot is just like that. We know how to bring the fork from the plate to our mouth. We've been doing that since we were six months old, so we don't have to think about that. We can watch a TV show or a movie or we can be checking our email or looking at our phone or on Facebook or distracted by driving while eating. So there's a number of ways that we eat on autopilot, but mindful eating would be the opposite of that, where we're just focused on the food. So I could tell you,
0: and I'm sure you have heard this as well in your work, um, people who say, well, I just don't have time for lunch, so I grab something, and I'm sitting in my car, and maybe at a a traffic light, uh, are there that many here in rural Maine, uh, traffic light, I'll, you know, have a few spoonfuls of whatever, and uh, oh, The light just changed, I have to keep going. Is that what you're talking about, those kinds of habits?
1: Yeah, our lives are busier than ever, and we often think we don't have time to eat. That's a very common thing I hear among folks that I work with. So even that feeling of busyness can be one of the reasons that we don't slow down, even if we do technically have 15 minutes that we could really focus on our food, or even 10 or 5 minutes the fact that we're eating while doing other things makes us feel busy, makes us feel stressed, and we're probably not digesting as well, or we're probably just we're too stressed in our mind to enjoy the food. So what we know is that in the world, and this is such a cultural
0: thing. You know, we have so much abundance, or many do, if we're lucky enough. Some don't. There's certainly enough uh, Food insecurity in our country. Um, just have to throw that out here as we're as we're discussing this. Um, but for many many people, men and women uh, alike, there is that sense of uh, well, there's just too much of me, or uh, how do I lose that five pounds? Or we're very. No, no, kind of a, we are obsessed we're, we're you a say? kind of
1: a, a diet obsessed culture and a weight obsessed culture so most people want to be thinner or they want their body to be different than their ancestors which is hard to change in some some cases but we do obsess about the the image in the mirror or the number on the scale so that's a very hard Culture, we're counterculture here with this mindful eating and health at every size. So, this is a non diet, weight neutral approach to well being. Well, I'm,
0: uh, if anyone's ever done this, and I have, you can look at old magazines from the turn of the century, the last century, turn of the 20th century in the 19, uh, early aughts of the 1900s. And I remember seeing ads, Are you too thin? I know you. Yes. Women, you should bulk up. And this is how you oh, do interesting. it. Here's the 4000 calorie diet. You should be having more fat. You should be having more. Right. And because- in other
1: cultures, that's seen as beautiful. You yes. know, having more curves.
0: That's right. And um, and then the 20s happen. Right.
1: The whole flapper and then slouching became popular.
0: That's it and Don't, smoking. That's right. <laughs> so we're, we we want to keep in mind that the this idea of uh, of the cultural aspect of what we're discussing. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that that's yeah. part of it? And, you and see that. trends
1: can change, just like diet trends change, fashion trends change, body size trends can change, hairstyles change. So in the
0: bottom of all this is really the sense of how then what do we create wellness or the sense of, of satisfaction in ourselves? Is that
1: a way to put it? or So I, I think part of this approach and this philosophy is thinking about how do I have the highest level of wellness for me personally? You know, given the certain health conditions that I may have or the limitations or special abilities or You know, what am I able to do for physical activity? What am I able to eat that I don't have a food intolerance for? You know, finding what's the best way for you to be healthy and happy as possible. So So it's very individualized is what I'm saying.
0: So how do we start? What's the uh, the first thing we need to do? Here we are.
1: Well, one thing is learning to notice how certain foods affect us. That's part of mindful eating. So somebody may say a certain food is is like a superfood or very healthy. Like, say I tell you, oh, you should definitely eat avocados. If avocados don't make your stomach feel good, that's something you could, only you could notice. So we're all looking to an outside expert to tell us what to do. And in this approach, the expert is you. So instead of looking to someone else to say, you know, what should I eat? you're really noticing how certain foods affect you and using that awareness to eat to feel good, not to be good. So we're so used to good. These are the good foods. These are the bad foods. You know, salad is good. Donuts are bad, all of that. And this is totally different. We're learning how do we eat to feel good in our bodies? So our stomach should feel good, our digestion, good, all of that instead of, I'm eating these foods because they're healthier, or because they're on the plan or on the diet or so-and-so told me I need to eat more of this. That's the difference.
0: So what we're asking ourselves is, when I eat this, what's
1: happening inside? How do I feel? Yeah, and even noticing... It's it's an approach of I can eat whatever I want, but do I really want that based on, oh, is it going to make my blood sugar, you know, spike and then drop? Maybe I'll have that food as a dessert after a meal so I can really enjoy it without having a crash, for instance. It could be timing of when we eat certain foods. It could be which foods we choose. It could be I'm in the mood for something fudgy and delicious do I want ice cr- chocolate ice cream? Do I want a brownie? Do I want a square of dark chocolate? Do I want a, a a date with a little bit of almond butter and a little square of chocolate and have a little dessert burrito? It could be any of that. How's it going out there, everyone?
0: I do. Do we want all of those things? No, but we will find <laughs> out that in fact, wow, I really feel like some sauteed kale right now with some garlic. I really feel like a a piece of salmon with whatever. So and again, even when I made that joke, we're already talking about a cultural stereotype that, you know, although I do have I do have here and many of you might have seen this and it is our mantra for today. Stressed is dessert spilled backwards. Okay. So. All right. So, yes, so sometimes
1: so when, we crave a certain texture, temperature or flavor. Like I might be in the mood for something like when you said kale with garlic it's like oh maybe i want something hot maybe i maybe it's winter i want something warming maybe i want to add garlic or chili peppers or some sort of hot spices to my food to make it more winter like cuz it's the opposite of what the season is just like i'm sure you're aware of this through through what you do,
0: yes, well, in Chinese medicine that's exactly. exactly how we talk about diet, and I think the part that i'm uh, that I'm in, enjoying what, what you're saying is is how then we get to say to someone, "Well, this is what we think of as really good way to go when it 's minus ten degrees outside, and this is what we think is really good way to go when it 's eighty degrees outside. maybe you don't want." a hot pea soup. Or maybe you do. You know, if you live in India, it's very, very hot. And, and that not that the most spicy food? It makes you sweat and perspire. So all of that uh, makes sense. But what you're saying is we're not using that as an external idea. We're going to say, wow, well, I understand that that's an important thing in this time of year, but I feel better when I'm doing
1: x y and z yeah it's kind of taking everyone else's advice and filtering it through your own filter and deciding what's going to work for you
0: so um with that in mind you will, so for instance there are people this SIBO some people have trouble digesting certain things in their small intestine garlic and onions are really categorically out of the no question no no no's and out of the question so someone be, without a diagnosis can actually be eating those things and going, wow, I'm noticing I don't feel well. Mm. You could be doing your own analysis a little bit on, right. on those kinds of things. Several
1: people have tried elimination diets. recent. You know That's been popular recently, and I think that awareness is one example of what we're doing in mindful eating. I don't prescribe that everyone does an elimination diet, but some people that are doing it, it's like, oh, if you notice when i eat this food how do i feel so let's say i've come to you how how would we begin would you just ask a lot of questions or so there's there's at least two formats to what i do one of them is as a one-on-one mindful eating intuitive eating coach i could meet with someone the other option is being part of an 8-week group that goes through all of the tools in the the am i hungry mindful eating approach so it would depend if it was an individual or a group process.
0: What I'm noticing, in, and I was looking at, looking at some of these, that there's this whole food chart. There's this, not food chart, this whole, it, it looks like a, quite frankly, from a Chinese medical p- point of view, it looks like a five-element chart. It's all about what is the trigger? When do you
1: eat? When do you... The mindful eating cycle. Tell us about that. Okay. So first of all, the whole Am I Hungry mindful eating approach was developed by a doctor in Arizona named Dr. Michelle May, and she was a family physician for a number of years and decided to retire from that because she wanted to help people understand how to eat in this way, and she developed this mindful eating cycle to help people with that. And she herself call, she calls herself a yo-yo, a recovering yo-yo dieter. So she had tried lots of diets. She got herself through medical school. It was very stressful. And she found herself going back and forth between the restrictive eating and overeating. And she knew there had to be a better way. And she and her patients all were struggling with this yo-yo dieting approach. And she thought, how can I help them? I can't even help myself. So she started observing all of the people around her. And she noticed that her husband didn't overeat. Her children didn't overeat. They didn't think about food all the time. They didn't struggle with their weight. And she observed these three styles of eating. So she called them Instinctive eating, which is how a child would eat under age two, usually. A a lot of children of any age will eat this way, where they eat when they're hungry, they stop when they're full, and they pretty much eat what they want. If you put some food in front of them, they'll choose what they want, they'll eat it. When they're satisfied, they'll go off and play and invest their energy in playing and living their lives. They don't talk about food before they eat it, like, oh, I'm going to have this, and then I'm going to have that. They just come and eat whatever's available. They don't talk about how they're guilty afterward. I wish I wouldn't have eaten those cheese and crackers. You know, kids don't do that. So that's the instinctive eating cycle. And the good news is we all were born that way, but we can all get back to that mindset of I'm going to eat when I'm hungry. I'm going to stop when I'm full. I'm going to eat the foods I want in general and go live my life. So that's the first style of eating that she observed. And then it goes with the mindful eating cycle. So the, the other two styles are the overeating cycle or binge eating, which is where we're eating due to these external or emotional triggers. So it's like, oh, we're eating because of uh, stress, boredom, even uh, overwhelm, or, you know, my, my sister called me and it was a difficult conversation. Now I need a cookie, that sort of thing. Or eating due to reasons like loneliness, depression, you know, seasonal affective disorder could be a trigger for overeating, could be anything that's outside of ourselves, even the sight and smell of food. So that's the overeating cycle where it's really, it feels like it's hard to stop eating. And then there's the restrictive eating cycle where we. it's kind of like a pendulum. The more we go toward overeating, like a grandfather clock, the more you swing it over here, you are in the overeating aspect, then the the further you go over here in the dieting or restrictive eating aspects. So it's like you're um, getting ready for a cruise, you're restricting, you're restricting, and then you're on the cruise. Well, I better eat what I want because I paid for it. Do you see how the, these three styles, we all go through them. Nobody is just an instinctive eater or an overeater or irrestrictive. Hold that thought. If you People have just tuned into
0: the Healthy Options Program. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and this is WERU Community Radio. We're discussing how to create a practice of healthy and balanced eating based on being positive rather than punitive. We'll get to that. Our guest is health and wellness coach Hester Cole, facilitator and coach of the Am I Hungry Mindful Eating Program, and we're learning all about that right now. So we were talking about that restrictive diet. Is that where I'm going to have three carrots and four olives, and look how good
1: I am. Right. So it's about being good in that restrictive cycle. And you may feel like you're, quote-unquote, in control, but it's like there's a lock on the refrigerator. It won't last long because we feel too restricted. It's like a tightly wound yo-yo, and then all of a sudden the yo-yo unwinds, and we're in overeating again because we can't possibly stay on that tight Tightly wound, we can't stay on the wagon. You know, we're going to fall off the wagon because the wagon is so restrictive.
0: Right. So, what was it? There was something. The difference between being
1: in control, what we think is in charge, and in charge. So that's kind of a fine line. Uh, In control, most people would think. A lot of people say, "I'm going to be mindful about my eating. I'm watching what I eat," and what they really mean is they're being restrictive because they're kind of in a dieting cycle where they're say they're limiting like like what you just said so i'm only having this many of this and this many of this food it's a very strict way it's you're eating very rigidly and in a very controlled manner so you're you may be weighing or measuring your food you may be weighing yourself you may be thinking i can only have these foods and these amounts of them or I can only I have to eat before 7 p.m. cuz it's 7:01 my metabolism is going to shut off. <laughs> you know, you have these outside rules that you're following. So, I guess it, then what what we're what
0: we're talking about here is being more aware of am I hungry? And am I yeah, and being I mean, in literally. charge.
1: You're going to you're you're the expert. So only you know if you're hungry. And hunger, it turns out, is actually a physical symptom. It's not in our head. True hunger is two major things happening. Our stomach is emptying, which causes the growling, the rumbling, the hunger pangs, all of that stuff. And then this feeling of your blood sugar dropping is the second major thing happening. So you notice that you're having trouble, you know, thinking. It's right before lunch and all of a sudden your brain doesn't work as well. And getting that task done is seeming to take a lot longer. So maybe it's time for a refuel. Or maybe you notice you're getting irritable, that hangry, crankiness. Or maybe you are feeling that you have a headache, right? You feel a headache coming on, I really need to eat. This feeling you must eat now. That's true hunger. It's physical. And versus our minds? The head hunger. Tell me about that. Which is like, you know, I like to go on what I call little voice patrol. And there's like these little voices in our head being like, oh, well, you really shouldn't have that because you've already had this many sweets you know, today or this week or you've really been eating too much of this food group or that food group. And we have these voices that kind of make us feel guilty sometimes for eating certain foods. And instead, there's this all-foods-fit approach where we naturally tend toward balanced variety and moderation. So if one food is up here on a pedestal, the the more we tell the brain we can't have that food, the more we're going to want it. Like if it's I don't know what what's a food that might be on someone's pedestal, that they don't often allow themselves to have because well, they're worried about overeating what, it. What happens in our culture? We, what would we say? Sweet sugar. I would say for some it's it's sweets, for others it's potato chips. I had someone who right, it, was, of it was cottage cheese or it was, you know, those frozen chicken pot pies. It could be absolutely, it could be savory or sweet. But I think for the majority of people it tends to be something dessert-like. It's our culture. Mm, we we're told when we were kids, eat your vegetables or you don't get dessert. Right, or well-stressed is desserts backwards
0: and everyone laughs at that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So you know and and what I, I, what you said earlier, and i didn 't notice that there is a sense of if you actually have a medical condition, you have diabetes, you have something uh, some reason why certain
1: foods really are difficult, we can still work with being mindful absolutely, about. and Dr. Michelle May, who founded this program, has actually created programs. That are specific for people with diabetes or prediabetes, people that have binge eating challenges, people that have undergone bariatric surgery, or even students or athletes, or there's a variety of other specialized programs.
0: Let's you know, and, and you know who you are out there. If uh, if any of this is resonating, um, let's start. You know, we some of these exercises. Can we can we do something? Yeah. Can we do a little? Let's just start with one of our things. We brought. I have. Uh, we have little snacky things here. I oh, Hester brought the great chocolate, seventy two percent, which of course I'm saying is like fabulous because we can have that. I brought raisins, but. Should we try something? Should we just yeah. do a little, a so little exercise? We're going to
1: do a mindful bite. And those of you who are listening who have a snack nearby can grab, grab a something. snack. And we're going to learn how to enjoy that more than you ever have before. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I'm ready. I already, snu- I already snuck I She already in. started. Okay. <laughs> so I want you to take a deep breath. Just really relax. You can close your eyes if you want. Just breathe in and breathe out and go ahead and pick up whatever food it is that you are going to use for this exercise. And I want you to use your sense of sight first. Part of mindfulness is using all of our five senses. So we're just going to look at this food first. If it's in a wrapper, look at the pretty wrapper. If it is a fruit or a vegetable, look at the skin, see what color it is. You can put some of this food on a plate or in a bowl. And I just want you to observe What are the colors, what does the texture look like to you? You know, are there little bits of something? I've got this almond dark chocolate. It has some sea salt. So just observe visually this food. What's the shape? What's the color? Does it have any interesting, you know, little designs in it? Is there swirls or, you know, is there wrinkles in the raisins? So just looking with our eyes. And then I want you to use a sense of touch. So you're going to pick that up and just feel the texture. You know, what does it feel like? Is it smooth? Is it bumpy? Is it rough? Do you notice um, that you want to put it in your mouth, (laughs) right? Are you aware of any smells coming from the food? If you hold it up to your nose, what does it smell like? Does it smell stronger than you remember? And then go ahead and touch it to your, your outside of your lips. Just feel, what, is, what does that food feel like? And take a little bite and just put it in your mouth where you can really taste it. Use your tongue to taste that food against the roof of your mouth. What flavor do you taste? Is it sweet? Is it salty? Is it bitter, pungent, astringent? What kind of taste are you tasting? Does it taste any different than it usually does? Do you like the taste? Do you not like the taste? Is it as good as you thought it would be? And go ahead and chew that food and swallow and take another bite when you're ready. And at the same time, time, uh, the next bite, notice the sight, the smell, feel the texture. The aroma gets our taste buds ready to taste things. And go ahead and chew that and swallow it. And notice, do you really like this food? Is it as good as you thought it would be? Do you want to eat this again soon? Are you satisfied with just a few bites or would you like a few more bites? Have you ever eaten this slowly before? <laughs> Probably not.
0: I'm enjoying my raisins so much. So, what was your experience with the raisin, Rhonda? Well, I found that the sweetness and the texture—it was a little rough, um, and then it was a little smooth. I found that it just amplified; it was like a, an explosion of delicious sweetness in my in my uh, my whole my whole mouth, and it was very satisfying. Now, I've done this in a mindful, at a retreat, at a silent meditation retreat, we did this where we're, we were learning how to pay attention to each bite mm. because you're not talking to anybody when you're eating your meals It does kind of thing. And I think that's what we're, we're getting at here. I found this to be an explosion of sensation. And, that, and then I was also like going, oh, I want... I really think I needed some of that chocolate that Hester has over there. And next time, I'm going to use that. I did have a little moment where I wasn't mindful. I was thinking chocolate. (laughs) But mostly, um, I thought it was brilliant. And I'm hoping everyone else who had a moment to do that, and if you're still doing that, to just enjoy every taste bud awakening to whatever it is that you're experiencing.
1: Yeah, how often do we eat in this way? where we give our full time and attention to the food. Normally, we're eating while doing something else, or we're eating with the idea, I need to finish in X amount of minutes because I have this and this and this to do. Or we're not fully in the present. We're thinking about whatever else is going on in our lives. So our minds are usually not in the moment with the food. So this is a very important part of this course. And this is what we... Talk about uh, in one of the one of the workshops is how do you give your full attention to the food, and how do you eat with the in intention? So it's attention, paying attention, and intention of feeling better when you finish than when you started. Because when we start eating, we're a little bit hungry and a little bit hangry and uncomfortable, and our blood sugar is low, and we just want to feel better, and then we get to the point where we're satisfied we're kind of I call it like we're a level five on this hunger and fullness scale if you think one is like completely ravenous I'm starving and ten is I'm so stuffed I feel sick a five we feel satisfied but we often go beyond that so learning to start to eat when we're hungry is easier than learning to stop when we're full
0: so the stop when you're full piece is very Interesting. Is there the people are starving? I better eat. Look how um, privileged I am. I have to clean my plate. Right. There's that. Um, do we forget the idea that well, it's okay to have leftovers?
1: Or right? I can just stick this in the fridge for in a in a little container for later. Have it for later. Um, what else? What well, else we, comes up? we get up? all these messages usually as a child about eating. So we we learn these messages either because they're told to us like rules there's rules like you have to stay at the table until you finish your dinner or until you finish your vegetables or whatever the rule is or there could be rules like you don't get dessert unless you eat these soggy you know vegetables from a can or these overcooked broccoli that are that are like pale green or yellow because they've been cooked so long or there could be a texture that a child doesn't really like and they have a memory of being force fed this certain food whether it was peas or you know whatever the vegetable lima beans or whatever and they have a negative association with the entire vegetable food group or it could be that they had to clean their plate and they didn't they learned to overstuff themselves as a kid actually so we can learn that very early on Or we may have another memory where maybe we had five, you know, siblings, and if you didn't eat quickly, you didn't get your share or someone else would take it. So there's often this idea of the food attitudes as an adult coming from way back when we were usually under age 10. And either there wasn't enough food, or you didn't get the kind of foods you wanted, or maybe dessert was kind of Maybe somebody didn't let their kid have any processed food, so once they discovered it in college, they went crazy or, you know, not went crazy, but they they dove in like, oh, I'm going to try all these things that look so delicious. So I think it's important to reflect on what the messages you got as a kid were about food. And those of you who are parents thinking, what messages am I sending to my children who are now picking up what I'm modeling It's got to be totally pure, or we don't care if it's
0: pure, or it's got to all come from a box, or all of the assumptions that we have.
1: Yeah, kids pick up on
0: that. For all the right reasons or all the wrong reasons,
1: all the good intentions are still imparting some message. If if you don't want your child to eat any processed food, I have met people that say, my children have never had fast food. Well, that's great, but then they might be always curious about it, you know? So you could allow them to try it and see if they think it tastes good. You know, that would be one strategy. And if they've had a lot of other food that they liked, you know, they may not care for it. So that it's kind of putting them in the driver's seat and saying, do you really want this? You can have whatever you want. Do you really want that? Do you really want that? Are you really hungry? What is our head saying? What is our body
0: really saying? And what about that association of food and comfort and security and love?
1: We've learned that since we were little babies, because when a baby's crying, what do you do? You usually feed it. You say, here's your mother, here's a hug and some milk, or you say, here's a bottle or whatever. So we learn from that early age as an infant that food is comfort. When we're sad, when we're upset, we can always reach to food. So we learn that and we continue to do that as adults. And some that's
0: an issue and some it's not as we said the intuitive eaters my body wants this I'm not hungry I I ate a late lunch I ate at four in the afternoon um I know it's dinner time but I'm really not hungry so I'll I'll do something else someone else might say what oh it's it's seven five o'clock it's dinner time
1: yeah even many people eat by the clock and um, I just want to mention that we're not only one style, so we go be- between those styles. So someone may be in the instinctive like 70% of the time, or they may be in instinctive eating like 20% of the time. And then someone may have the tendency to be in overeating most of the time or restrictive eating most of the time and then sort of have these binges. But it's important that we think about and notice which style am I in, you know? What do I tend toward? Is it the instinctive, the overeating, and the restrictive, and just notice? So um, I've had
0: conversations with, with people, and they'll say, well, I'm going through something very stressful, I eat a lot, and I gain 20 pounds. I had a very stressful year. X, Y, and Z happened. I, I, I uh, couldn't stop eating whatever. I've also had people say, I went through such a stressful year, I stopped eating. My yeah. appetite went away. I lost twenty five pounds and now i 'm trying to figure out what how do we eat what is hunger how do i How do I eat again, or how do I not eat again? You know I guess there's all of that is what we 're talking about to really understand what 's happening in your own psyche or your own. Yeah. Well, one, Relationship
1: thing, with food. one thing we do in this approach is we notice what our triggers are for eating when we're not hungry. So first we learn what's true hunger. And we already talked about the fact that true hunger is the stomach getting empty and the blood sugar getting low. So when we experience true hunger, it's all physical symptoms, the growling, the emptiness, the feeling uh, headachy or low blood sugar. And head hunger is totally different. Head hunger is usually these other triggers, like uh, physical triggers, like we have a headache. um, You know, you could have a headache if you're hungry or headache if you're not hungry, right? But if, if you're not hungry, and you have some sort of pain, that's a trigger to eat for some people. Or maybe you're tired. One of my clients said tired doesn't equal eat tired equals rest. So that's one little thing that I share with people. And There's a lot of other physical triggers like you could have um, the urge to eat more, you know, for for women in their hormonal cycles, a certain week of the month. We might want to eat way more than the rest of the month or there's a variety of physical triggers. And then there's environmental triggers like, oh, I just saw someone else walk by and eating this or that. And now I want so good.
0: Right. Hold that thought, Hester, because I just want to tell people if they have just tuned in, this is the Healthy Options Program on WERU Community Radio. I'm Rhonda Feynman. We're speaking with Hester Call, National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach and Facilitator of Programs for the Practice of Mindful Eating, and we're learning so much here today about all of this. We, If you uh, just tuned in, um, we did a mindfulness eating moment, so if you're about to have a snack and think, oh, I'm listening to the radio— I should eat something now. Take a moment. Hold your food. Breathe. Right? Have a little taste.
1: That's then you can be part of the program with us. <laughs> That's great. So we're talking about the triggers that are we call head hunger, which are reasons you may be wanting to eat when you're not truly hungry. So the first one was the physical triggers. And then the second one is environmental triggers. And that could be anything from the sight or smell of food, other people eating a commercial on television that's about food, or could be the smell of food, you know, you're walking by a bakery or a restaurant, and they literally pump that smell out on the sidewalk for you so that you'll you'll get triggered. But it could be something like, Dealing with food, going to the grocery store, cooking, just putting groceries away and wanting to munch on something. Many of us snack while we're cooking dinner and then we're not actually hungry when it's time to feed everyone else. We sit down and we eat anyways, but we're not hungry. So environmental triggers are very, very common. And it could be as simple as going to another room if you're really not hungry, you know, getting away from the food. Because when it's, you know, there, we reach for it. It's natural. Like if it's on our plate and we're finished eating, putting the plate away could be one solution. So then there's emotional triggers. And those can range from loneliness, boredom, stress, um, anything like depression, feeling overwhelmed, feeling anxiety, or any sort of thing like that, Um, wanting love or affection, companionship, and seeking that through the refrigerator (laughs) isn't always the the most effective way. One of the things we
0: haven't discussed yet is the idea of movement and our body needing to move and even bringing that mindfulness to what kind of activity am I, does my body ask for today? Or
1: maybe you could... That's a great question to ask yourself. I love that. I think we talk about mindful movement in a very similar way. And I always remind people you don't have to exercise do you want to exercise and we often have negative thoughts about exercise like I'm so out of shape I don't even know where to begin but we can turn that around into a powerful thought like with each step you know every day I'm getting healthier and happier with every step I take and that that thought leads to a feeling of feeling empowered So we have an exercise we call Tfar. It's like the thoughts lead to the feelings that lead to actions and lead to results. So when you start with a thought, like I'm so out of shape, I don't know where to begin. It leads to this feeling of, well, it doesn't really make a difference anyway. I feel kind of powerless. Like I'm not going to change anything, which leads to the action of inaction, (laughs) not doing anything. And the result of I'm back where I started. I haven't moved at all. And, if we replace that with a powerful thought, like, I'm getting happier and healthier each day with every step I take, you know, or I have to start somewhere, you know, it could be anything that's a more powerful thought. And with those types of thought patterns, we feel a feeling of, oh, I could probably do that. I could probably take a few steps. And then maybe we walk to the mailbox and back, and the mail's not there, and then we go do it again, instead of driving down the driveway. So it leads to an action of, okay, I I started somewhere, I did something. And then the result is, wow, well, I walked there and back twice today, maybe I could do that again tomorrow. You know, and it leads to this reinforcement of the thought, I'm getting healthier and happier with each step I take. So that's an exercise we often use. So that's a good affirmation and then
0: the idea of beginner's mind we start somewhere
1: yeah i have to start and somewhere not
0: being judgmental i'm not serena williams i therefore why why bother <laughs> right so we
1: often get stuck in all or nothing thinking and we use that thinking with food just like i'm on the diet or i'm off the diet and we also use that thinking with exercise and even the word exercise is a trigger that's you know charged negatively for many people. So I like to just say you don't have to to move, but what would be some reasons that you may want to move? And then we start by turning some of those negative thoughts into powerful thoughts. Like another one would be I don't want anyone to see me exercising. And the, the powerful thought to that is I exercise for me. So it really like stops that negative thinking in its tracks.
0: So I think there was another exercise that we talked about doing. Maybe now, is it, would, would that be a good time to do it? Sure. Don't you think? Because it's the body, what is it, the body thought? Here, body, mind, heart scan. Let's do that while we, because I, 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 there must be many people are possibly going, oh, yeah, well, I've tried that and it didn't work. So let's take us out of our pre- frontal cortex thinking mind and bring us back into a, a meditation that the skeptics can, uh, can try and, and be positive in themselves.
1: Okay. So for the, the body-mind heart scan is a tool we use both for, for eating and also for movement. And it just helps us bring ourselves back to the present moment. And notice what, and have more awareness of of what we are noticing. So, if you are driving, pull over, <laughs> please, please. Okay, all right. So, the first thing we're going to do is get in a very relaxed position. Sit back in your chair, uh, put your feet on the floor, just close your eyes and relax. Put your hands somewhere comfortable. Just set them on the the armrest and. Go ahead and take a couple deep breaths in and out with me, breathing in, and out, and in, and out, and in, and out, and And then you're going to move away from the food if you haven't already. So, Uh, We're going to what I call a food-free zone. So say, you know, say we rewind a couple of months and it's a holiday party and we could arrive at someone's doorstep and instead of going straight for all of the appetizers, we could actually just say, Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Can I use your bathroom? Go to a food-free zone. A bathroom is a great one. Maybe it's your car or maybe it is going to... a a place where there's just not that environmental trigger for you. So the next thing you want to do is you're going, if you can't get away from the food, you can at least close your eyes like we're doing now. And I want you to put your hand on your stomach. And I want you to observe how empty or full does your stomach feel right now. If you are going to Imagine your stomach was a balloon. Is it feeling like a 10? Is it totally stuffed and just like packed full of air or food? Or is it completely empty? Like is it completely deflated? Like is it a level one? Notice any other sensations in your body. Are you feeling lightheaded or are you feeling like you have a headache, anything like that going on in your body? Do you have a pain in your back? What is going on with your body? And just notice, how's your body feeling today? And then take your hands and put them on your head. And when you focus on your thoughts, they may give you some clues about whether you're, you're hungry or not. So you may be having thoughts like, it's been a couple hours since I ate, or wow, that looks really delicious, or we really should finish this food before it goes bad. And remember, hunger is a physical feeling that comes on gradually. It's not a thought that appears suddenly. And then go ahead and put your hands over your heart and think about what feelings or emotions are you experiencing right now just focus on your awareness don't don't try to judge the feelings just stay curious and notice are you feeling stressed are you feeling bored Are you thinking about everything you have to do or maybe feeling overwhelmed? What kind of feelings do you have? Because even if you can't change your to-do list for today, you could change how you feel about that. Or you can notice before you start eating, oh, I'm feeling stressed today. And just that awareness can really help us. So awareness is helpful because Our emotions do affect the rest of our eating decisions. So, just being able to say, This is how I'm feeling today, can really help. And let's go ahead and take another deep breath. And if you had to give yourself a number on that hunger and fullness scale one being, I am totally empty, and 10 being, I am totally, totally full, five is somewhere in between. What number would you give yourself right now? And remember you can use this tool anytime that you want to really recognize and notice how you're feeling, what your hunger level is, and what's going on in your mind and your heart. So tuck this away and see if you can use that in some way. Hester, Cole. what do you think?
0: Like, yes, that is a, a lovely, lovely mindfulness quieting and getting in touch with our with what's going on inside to help make choices and we don't often pause in our culture the
1: pause let 's talk about that pause we're running from one thing to the next. we have this meeting here, and then we schedule something else right after, and we're running around. You know, we we don't take time to just breathe. And, you know, if we schedule it, we, we have to schedule going to a yoga class. We have to write in our calendar. We have to schedule doing some sort of self-care or else it doesn't happen because the day gets, quote unquote, eaten up. I mean, all of our sayings, look at all our sayings are around food. Like put some, you know, the, the idea of I have too much on my plate. Right. That that comes from a food focused culture or there's other sayings about food we have like, you know. uh, Let's see what else there's the idea of, you know, sweet, the the sweetness of life or variety is the spice of life. I mean, all of our sayings are surrounding food. Oh, I'm going to take that in for a moment. Mm -hmm. That is our language is
0: just is just so, so important Sink your teeth into it. Right. Yes. We just got right. that from, uh, from our, our listeners in the studio. You're right. Sink your teeth into it. Get Oh, I love this. So we can notice how our culture either reinforces or what? <laughs> well, food is everywhere.
1: And the dieting culture is everywhere. So we're always being given these messages like, Every year, there's a new diet. It's either intermittent fasting or gluten free or keto or paleo or sugar free, dairy free. And some of those things, fat free was a huge thing. Some of those things may be very good for one individual and very not good for another individual. So at the end of the day, we're all a scientist doing an experiment on a subject of one, and it's our own body. And we have to use the advice of people we hire, like our healthcare practitioners, as consultants for us. But ultimately, we have to do the experiment with our own body and say, present the results back to the, the practitioner and say, this is what I noticed. That
0: is, I, I'm just taking that in. I became speechless for a moment. <laughs> noticing. I'm noticing. If you just joined us, uh, you're tuned to WERU Community Radio. This is the Healthy Options Program. I'm Rhonda Feynman. We are talking with Hester Call, National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach about mindful eating. Again, learning so much today. And doing a few experiments, and if you just tuned in, you'll you'll have to listen to this on the archives because I'll know you'll want to do all of the exercises. We still have time. We uh, so we're we're still in the throes of this conversation, which is thrilling. Um, it, we did the mindfulness one, and I'm I'm coming back to that because I'm re- I'm recalling um, being at a retreat. I was talking about being at a silent meditation retreat. And the reason I keep bringing that up is because in a way, that's what we're learning to do because that is a huge pause in our lives. What you're teaching here and what we're learning here is that we can create those pauses
1: daily. Right. We have to like sign up to go to a retreat to take a pause in our life. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. Right. That those of us who, you know, go off to Kripalu or go off to here or there for the, meditation retreats, but it just proves that we're so booked up, scheduled, we're so overscheduled that we don't, right. we don't have natural pauses. So that's the, probably a, a, one of the most important takeaways, pause. Right, and ask yourself, am I hungry? And think about those physical symptoms of hunger. So is your stomach feeling empty? Put your hand on your stomach like we did in the body-mind-heart scan. And think about: Is my blood sugar low? You know, how do I know my blood sugar is low? What evidence do I have? You know, be a scientist, <laughs> and then be curious. Be curious, and then if if the answer is yes to that stuff, what do I? Uh, how hungry am I? You know, am I a one, a five, a ten? You know, and then think about what do I really want to eat? Because what happens when you eat some when you don't eat what you really want? What usually happens? When you want something else, you're not satisfied.
0: <laughs> I've eaten, I, I, really, I've had this, and what? what is the texture that I'm looking for?
1: Yeah, and so if we can start by saying, okay, I am hungry, right? And then what do I want to eat? What do I really want? Is there a flavor, a texture, a temperature I'm craving? Is there a particular food I'm craving? Why not eat that first and then see if you want something else? But you may be satisfied. You might, you know, get it right on the money the first try and then not have to eat all the way around the craving and come right back to the food you were craving.
0: Well, I remember reading that the idea of breakfast as eggs and bacon is sort of a created idea that uh, somewhere, again, I keep going back to the last century, that there were were farmers who had too many eggs or we didn't, the, the pigs weren't, Selling. (laughs) You know, we weren't getting it. So we had a media campaign or there was a media campaign. This is
1: what you're supposed to have for breakfast. That's how orange juice, I think, got spread, too.
0: Exactly. Which we know actually makes the blood sugar drop. If if you didn't, by the way, orange (laughs) juice makes your blood sugar drop, which is not a bad thing if you're Or we're told
1: that if if you need vitamin C, have an orange instead of what about like red pepper is even higher, you know, and nobody knows that. Right. Or hears that. That's right. Or if you need potassium, have a banana. What about other foods that have potassium?
0: Well, what if you feel like, I want a lot of protein for breakfast, so I'm going to have a piece of fish, or I'm going to have uh, these beans that I, I'm going to have my lentil stew um, before I get out for the day. So again, all of this idea of assumptions
1: of what, when should we eat or what should we eat? That's true. There's a great story in this book by Dr. Michelle May about her experience just flying on an airplane for an early speaking engagement. And she forgot to bring her yogurt and granola and fruit that she usually had for breakfast. So she's searching around the airport, and she's trying to find something that was cold, crunchy and fresh. And once she'd narrowed in on those three words, that's what I want, cold, crunchy and fresh. You know, none of the options at first seemed appealing. There was like, these bruised apples, these hot egg and sausage sandwiches. And then there was these giant chocolate chip cookies. And the truth was, she didn't really want any of that. that. So she looked around a little more, and it was 8 in the morning, but somebody was putting out salads for the lunch rush, and it was like cold, crunchy, and fresh. That will do. So she had her salad at 8 in the morning, not caring what anyone else thought. So that's an example of how to use these principles.
0: Right. And different cultures. I was in Japan. And there was um, a—we had fish for breakfast every day, and and I found that this is perfect. This is exactly what I need to be having for breakfast every day. And I do eat a lot of that to this day every day. But my my favorite story is—and this was—I don't speak Japanese, and I was using Google Translate, and it took a long time sometimes for conversations. And I wanted to go— to do an event early in the morning, so I wanted breakfast to be earlier. I was staying somewhere, and breakfast was supposed to be at 8, but I wanted it at 7. And it took about 20 minutes of a conversation with this gentleman, and he kept saying, and I couldn't believe what he was saying. I said, may I have breakfast earlier? Would that be okay? And he kept – the Google Translate kept saying, if the rice is ready. And I go, if the rice is ready. And it took me 10 minutes of those 20 to go, oh, if the rice is ready. They're cooking the rice, and it's so important about the rice that if the rice is ready at 7, I can have it. I can have breakfast early. If the rice is not ready at 7, I cannot. It was a very cultural idea, and uh, the rice was ready. So fortunately, I got my uh, fish, my rice, whatever. (laughs) Got to do my day early, but it, it was such an awakening because it was out of context why would the rice
1: have to be re- Oh,
0: I get why the rice has to be Because rice ready. is
1: the meal. That's
0: right, and the fish, and with the fish. So we can bring that into our daily lives just because there's an idea of what breakfast should be right? or lunch or what time lunch should be. Maybe you're hungry at 11 if you've been up at, since 6. Mm-hmm. That's not lunchtime, where is it? And what most of us are used afternoon? to
1: eating by the clock. So that's, right. that's one of the environmental triggers that's, that causes us to eat when we're not hungry because we're either eating, we, I call it preventative eating. So say I'm going to this meeting at 10 and I won't be done with that till 12. So I have to have a snack even though I'm not really hungry at 9.30. You know? So it's called preventative eating. It's like if you were lining up a bunch of kids to take them on a, a school field trip and you told them, everyone go to the bathroom. If a kid doesn't have to go, they can't go preventatively. It's like you can't just eat three pizzas and be fine for three days. You know, like we can't just pile on. Maybe we can leave our cat for the weekend and leave the food out and they'll be fine. But humans can't really eat preventatively. Think about that. But you might want to bring a snack if you know that you're not going to get away and there, your blood sugar you will. You plan ahead.
0: Yes, which is different.
1: Yes. Than eating before you're hungry. So, planning ahead is part of the well, what do I want? And then the two other questions I like to ask my class are what do I need and what do I have? So, those are the three questions What do I want to eat? You know, what what am I craving? And what does my body need? Like, what have I eaten earlier? What will I be eating later? How can I provide balance, variety, and moderation in my diet? you know, based on maybe I didn't have any vegetables with breakfast, maybe I'll have some with lunch and dinner, or maybe I'll ha- incorporate that in my snack. Or maybe I didn't get any fruit or I maybe I didn't get enough protein at the last meal. I'm gonna make sure I have some at this meal. So it's what am I what does my body need? And then what do I have on hand? And what you have on hand is based on that planning and preparation and oh I packed this for myself or I'm gonna get this from the store and have it in the fridge. Well I think we are really
0: getting to the top of the hour here, which is very sad because I want to continue on with, with Hester Call and, and having this conversation. I feel like we're just getting started. <laughs> so thank you, Hester Call, for being with us on Healthy Options today. I know you have a website and for people who can check that out HesterColeWellness.com HesterColeWellness.com We'll have a link to this when we post this program in the WERU Public Affairs Archives If you missed any part of this program or would like to share it, please go to WERU.org to find our recent programs on demand and after it's posted, it will be on the Healthy Options Archives in the Public Affairs section of WERU.org Many thanks to Vic Treadwell for setting up our engineering apparatus today, Um, um, and also to Petra Hall for her production assistance. Thank you all for your dedicated WERU listening and all of your supporters. Thanks for um, being with us today. This is Rhonda Feynman wishing you the best in health.